Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is a fellow fourth place finisher in our college basketball draft pool, Brent Siegel. How you doing? I don't think I I I'm I didn't finish in fourth place. We both we in our draft in our college basketball draft pool we were. Oh, we were fourth place. I thought you meant our bracket challenge. Yes, no. you are right. Um, I, I am a fellow finisher because we're on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, we, we got our payout today. It was officially over. We came in fourth place. I, I feel like Trevor, uh, you know, those the, the, now for, for those people that don't know, my, my dad and his friends for 30 years have done a college basketball pool. Um, and so it's, it's, it's all the old guys and then me and Trevor on a team together. Um, and as our first year in the league, Trevor, I think fourth place is really solid. I think we did pretty good. I mean, we, we won money, so... Nine dollars a piece. It wasn't a lot of money, but uh, we did win money. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take it. You know, obviously, you always want to finish first. You know, uh, as as the legend Ricky Bobby says, if you're not, you ain't first, you're last. But you know, hey, we got fourth place. We we got a a positive. We got a profit out of it, right? So um, we made it was, money. It was more than worth it. That's for sure. Hey, if 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 we went to Vegas with these odds, we're at a hundred percent. So you know, we're, we're doing well. We're doing well in that department. Um, unfortunately, today we are without the third member of our podcast, and that is, of course, Ben O'Brien. Uh, ben, you are, you know, some of us miss you. I don't quite as much, but, you know, maybe you'll be back next week. I, you know, I don't know if I'd say I hope. Maybe you hope, Trevor, but I don't. I don't. Well, I, I heard Ben was taking a play out of uh, Aaron Rodgers' yeah. playbook. I think he's on a little darkness retreat or something. I don't know. Ben is Ben went zero dark 30. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's out like a light. Oh, he's getting um, ready for the NBA playoffs like LeBron. All right, yeah, we got the NBA playoffs starting soon. Um, so yeah, he's 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 gone on his darkness retreat. Pulled a little Aaron Rodgers on the podcast. He's gonna come back and evolve as a podcaster. He's gonna come back and he's gonna be spitting stats that we've never even heard before. And you know what, Trevor? Frankly, I'm ready for it. All right, I'm ready. Yeah. Um, but that's neither here nor there. We got we got kind of a shorter episode. Uh, not too much happened outside of college basketball this week, so it's gonna be a very college basketball heavy episode. Um, but first, Trevor, look, you know, I, I obviously want to get to the men's game. We did our bracket pool at the men's game. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there's some other college basketball we got to hit first that I think was arguably more hyped up than the men's game. Um, and I think we got to talk a little bit about the women's championship and the, some of the women's games that have happened and kind of the hype around the, the you know, the women's tournament in general. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I think we look, obviously, like we had some, like, real stars uh, in the tournament this year. Um, but, you know, I, the first game we had, which was on Friday, I think, was that South Carolina-Iowa um, game where we had, you know, I, I actually, you know, big shout-out to, to Aaron Weaver, uh, Mr. Aaron Weaver. Uh, he uh, came over, we watched this game, and Trevor, this game was, it was excellent. It was so fun to watch. And I think there was a lot of hype around this game because Iowa has the best player in the country, Caitlin Clark. South Carolina was undefeated, number one overall seed. They have like four girls over six foot three. They're just so tall. They have probably the unanimous first round pick in Aaliyah Boston. Um, so Trevor, I I don't know if you caught too much of this game, but this game was absolutely awesome. Do you have any thoughts on on this game before we touch on the championship, or frankly, any other games in this tournament? Yeah, absolutely. The Iowa-South Carolina game was a really good game. Um, I came into it, I mean South Carolina, they were undefeated. They were 36-0. I came into it expecting South Carolina to win. That's basically, I mean, I'm no expert on women's college basketball, um, but listening to all the experts and, and kind of reading all the stories, reading into what people were saying leading up to the game, it seemed like South Carolina was a relatively clear favorite. 
Um, I was still excited to watch because I wanted to see what Caitlin Clark would do. I wanted to see if Iowa could hang in with them. And I wanted to see how good the South Carolina team was. I mean, they're undefeated. If you're undefeated, you get 36 straight wins. You must be good, obviously. So I wanted to uh, really see this game. It was very uh, highly anticipated for me. And Iowa just played really well. I mean, Caitlin Clark, it was kind of like, uh, again, I don't want to act like her teammate. I don't want to not give her teammates credit. But in this game, it was really, it felt like a little bit of a Hercule. Herculean effort from Caitlin Clark just because of how good that South Carolina team was and what Caitlin was able to do. I mean, she had 41 points, eight to six, six rebounds. This was her second 40 point game in a row. Um, and w- and I believe in the previous game, which they played Louisville, I think she had a 40 point triple double. So, which is the first time it's ever happened in the women's, uh, in the NCAA tournament is a 40 point triple double. It's also the first time a player has had back-to-back 40-point games in the NCAA tournament. So Caitlin Clark, again, just setting records, making history, um, and she had a fabulous game. Obviously, South Carolina, very talented team. Um, as I saw, uh, Zia Cook, she had 24 points, 8 rebounds in this game. And it was just it was just so exciting because it was close up until the end. Obviously, the championship game, which we're going to talk about, wasn't as close. But this game was super close, um, right down to the wire, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was awesome. Yeah, so Aaron and I watched this entire game, um, and the the intensity in this game was insane. It seems like Kaylin Clark just chucks up shots, and she makes them at a pretty solid rate. I mean, she shot them all 31 times, uh, which is crazy to think about. That's, that's so many shots in a game, uh, but obviously she carried her team to the victory. Uh, in this one, uh, you know, this game, what was so unique about this is from what I was reading before the game, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to anyone here. I, I did not watch a ton of uh, women's college basketball or either one of these two teams uh, before this game. But from what I was reading, it seems like Caitlin Clark is like this generational talent. South, This South Carolina team is like one of the best college basketball teams ever. Like similar to that Kentucky team that was in what, with Anthony Davis. What year was that, Trevor? 2012 or 13? Well, in 2015, they were undefeated with Carl Anthony Towns, um, but they lost in the Final Four, um, just like South okay, Carolina so yeah. did. So it seems like similar to that team that was so dominant, this team was very similar. Like, they were they were kind of the same in that sense. So both, this just seemed like two Goliaths were, were matching up, and, um, you know, obviously Caitlin Clark and Iowa, uh, you know, took the game. Um, but it was it was an absolutely incredible game. Really, really, really fun to watch. It was so close to the end. Um, and we, you know, we ended up seeing a good game. Um, Trevor, to move on to the uh, the championship, um, I, I watched a, a decent amount of this, um, and you know, obviously OSU took this by a pretty big margin. I would not have said that they were going to win um, at all. I, I I hope they win. I was rooting for LSU of these two teams, um, but I was pretty surprised by this result. Trevor, any you know your couple thoughts on on this game? I don't know how much of this you ended up catching. Yeah. So so again, like I came into like. You know, the the first big game that I actually sat down and watched was the Iowa-Louisville game because I was very, you know, it was a very, you know, highly anticipated game. Obviously, Louisville has yeah. Haley Van Lith, who's a very good player as well. So I was really excited to see that game. And in that game, I felt like Caitlin Clark kind of just looked like she was way better than everyone else on the floor. And then she went up against South Carolina. I was like, all right, this is a really good team. They're undefeated. And it was just incredible to watch. So then when you get to LSU... And not knowing a ton about LSU or, or their season, how good they were, I came into it thinking, well, Iowa already beat the best team. They already beat South Carolina. 
shouldn't they be able to beat LSU too? I don't know. I mean, maybe they just played so out of their mind against the South Carolina against South Carolina, which is kind of what I think they did that it was going to be hard to replicate that. And LSU, I mean, just really made it tough on Iowa. Um, again, just they had a shooting performance that was pretty wild. They they made 11 out of 17 threes, which I mean, I t- <laughs> there aren't many NBA teams that ever shoot 65 percent uh, from three point line in a game. So the fact that LSU did this in a national championship game that was wild. Uh, it was an eye popping stat that I was like, what? They shot 65 percent from three, so that was pretty wild. And what was so fun about this game was was just it it felt so, it was so much competition. Uh, so much trash talk, and you know you gotta love it. You gotta love the trash talk. You gotta love the competition. And there was a lot of stuff leading up to it. A lot of quotes from players. Obviously, Caitlin Clark. She's you know she's been a trash talker. She's obviously like the you can't see me, the John Cena thing, and all this stuff that she's done after hitting a big shot or whatever. And then obviously LSU Angel Reese, who is I think I guess she's considered their best player, but it seems like they have quite a few really good players. Um, yeah, they had a lot of girls team. score over 10. Yeah, so they have a lot of good players. I know th- uh, the one girl that, that comes off the bench scored 22, and yeah. I think they were saying like that was like the first time she had ever scored 20, or I think in the previous five games they were saying she didn't even score 20 in those five games combined, and she scored 22 in the national championship game. She shot five of six from three, so... Uh, looks like the guard uh, Carson off the bench for LSU. So she had an incredible performance right in the biggest moment. So just again, again, this game wasn't as close. So not as good as that South Carolina game, but nevertheless, I mean, LSU had an incredible performance and a good win there uh, for LSU. But I, you know, with Caitlin Clark, I hear a lot of people like on podcasts because it seems really like, and we could talk about the viewership, but it seems like everyone tuned in for this championship game. Uh, I think the average viewership ended up being 9.9 million. That's what I saw in a couple of different sources. I think front office sports said that. I think Sportico might have said the same thing. I think ESPN um, ESPN said it was 9.9. So that, that's okay. official. Okay. Yeah. So 9.9, which is by far the most it's ever been in a in a women's basketball game. It's more than a lot of other events um, as well that have been big events. So just a huge moment in general for women's sports and. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, with the, with the Caitlin Clark thing, I hear a lot of people making Steph Curry comparisons, and it's really interesting because Steph Curry, obviously shooting from range like Steph Curry can do. I mean, Caitlin Clark just pulls up. She takes like, I don't know, 28-footers, maybe a 30-footer occasionally. She shoots from and it's, just everywhere. It's just, it's just so wild to watch um, how she does that. And then when the shot goes in, it's just... It's really incredible to watch, and you know this was another good game. Again, not as good as the South Carolina game, but a great game and just a huge moment. I think in general for not even just women's basketball, but women's sports. Trevor, you know, you know who I think Caitlin Clark is more like. Like I, I do understand the Steph Curry comparison, but I think she's more like Trey Young, especially Trey Young in college. Um, okay. I feel like they play exactly the same. Um, where, I mean, again, not that Iowa doesn't have good players, but she's clearly the best player on the team and carrying them a little bit. And Trey Young did the same thing. Obviously, Trey Young, they weren't as successful um, mm-hmm. as uh, this Iowa team was at all. But Trey Young, I mean, he in college, do, do you remember a couple years ago? I guess there's more than a couple now. We're getting old, Trevor. But, you know, five, six years ago when he was in college or however long it was, yeah. the, some of the shots he took were just insane. Oh, yeah. And he pulled from anywhere. I 100%. mean, he had unlimited range, ultimate green light. 
Yeah, I mean, Trey Young, I think in college, averaged like, I think it was like 27 and 10 or something like that in his yeah. one season in Oklahoma. I think 28 teams when that was. So yeah, he was... He was definitely um, incredible in his limited time at Oklahoma. But I mean, yeah, I get the Trey Young part. I get the Steph to some degree. Maybe you can even argue like a Luka um, to a certain extent. But I think there's a lot of off-ball movement. So that's why I, I guess that's why maybe I lean more towards Steph a little bit because there's more off-ball. But she does have the ball a lot in general. But it, it's just it's so impressive to watch and... I mean, yeah, that's really all I can say. It's it's crazy that she isn't draft eligible because that's another thing I, I learned know. a couple of days ago. I was texting you and Ben like, wait a second. Caitlin Clark isn't even draft eligible because she just turned 21 in January. You have to be 22 to be draft eligible. Um, so she won't be eligible until next year's WNBA draft 2024, which is kind of wild. I wonder like uh, what the the money comparison is now if you know if he could have left between leaving and staying i wonder what the money comparison is with nil but i guess we'll never know we look at lsu too angel reese is only a sophomore i mean she's yeah. she's staying she seems like she's gonna be a, a really high pick and she was absolutely excellent in this tournament so i i i loved it trevor it, it was really really fun to watch uh really really enjoyable um and i think you know everyone's eyes were on it, it was just great in in general for women's sports uh, anything else you want to talk about in the women's game before we move on to the men's game? I think that's pretty much it. I mean, again, it's just uh, really, really incredible because the viewership was actually, and we haven't seen the viewership numbers. I was trying to look earlier of like the men's national championship. I don't think it's been released yet. I know the final four numbers I saw, and I think the FAU San Diego State was right around that like 12 to 13 mark. And I think the UConn Miami game was similar, like right around like 13-ish, which... Obviously, we had last year, I think the biggest game was that Duke Carolina game, understandably so, was like 18 million. Um, These ones a little bit less, um, you know, but nevertheless, it's just kind of crazy because the viewership, I mean, the women's national championship game probably, I mean, I don't know, we'll see what the UConn-San Diego State game comes out to be, but it's not a ton less than uh, the viewership for the men's national championship, I I would guess. Uh, I've seen conflicting numbers on the men's tournament. Uh, you know, I see it seems between ten and fifteen million, um, which okay. it is considered yeah. the lowest, like the wor- you know the worst viewership uh, college basketball tournament. Which, to be honest, I mean it kind of makes sense. Um, it's not Duke and North Carolina in the championship, um, but you know, still decent viewership for sure. I mean, ten to fifteen million is pretty good, uh, but it does seem like there's like some. It's it's tough to figure out which number is correct here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So rough estimate there. Uh, for the men's game. So, yeah, great job for the uh, for uh, LSU. Congrats to them. Let's uh, move on here to the men's tournament. Um, I don't know. When, we checked in last week, did we not? Yeah, last Sunday, which it was, um, we still had Elite Eight games on Sunday. So we, we ended up missing a couple of those games. I think we missed the Miami-Texas game because um, that was on Sunday. And there was at least one other game that I am forgetting which game that was. Um, but yeah, so it's been a while, obviously, and now we have seen the national championship, um, obviously in the final four, we had one really good game in the final four, another game that was, eh, it was, it was not the best. It was all right. And then the championship game that was, had a couple good moments, but overall, I think left you wanting a little bit more. Um, but I don't know. I, I think we'll start it right there, Brandon, with the championship game. Cause UConn, they get the win. 70, 76 to 59. They win by 17 points over San Diego State. 
And the closest San Diego State got it in the second half was down to five points. They cut it 60-55, to and immediately Jordan Hawkins hits the three, extends it to eight, and then UConn kind of goes on the run to end it up. But UConn, I mean, they are national champions once again. This is the third national championship they have had in the last 13 years, fifth overall. And every single game, they won by double digits. So they they were so dominant. I mean, how I guess, how did, how did we not see this coming? I mean, UConn... I don't know. They were dominant for the first couple months. Then they had a little bit of a down stretch in like January. And then they kind of picked it up. But I don't know. Maybe I, I kind of feel like from my own standpoint, I feel like I should have seen this coming a little bit more because they're so well-rounded. They're a very talented team. But I didn't see it. I didn't pick UConn to make, even make the Final Four. So, I mean, and they just dominated. But what did you think about, I guess, UConn's entire run, but, you know, more so the championship game? Yeah, I think, I mean, you look at UConn, they were uh, number one uh, in the AP pool at a point in time, correct, Trevor? Yeah, they were number one in AP pool for a while, I think, in, like, December. Yeah, it wasn't even, like, just one week. I thought it was, like, a month. Yeah, uh, They were number one, or, like, top three. Um, and it, you're right, it's interesting we just didn't see this coming. They weren't, like, amazing in conference play. They finished 13-7, and seven, um, came in fourth in the Big East, which the Big East does have some good teams. Um, and all three of the teams that were rated... Or that finished ahead of them, I all thought, you know, had really, really good seasons as well. And they were good teams. In fact, I think at least two of them I predicted to go further than UConn. Um, and UConn ended up being the team that came out on top from the Big East um, and winning it all. It is so interesting we didn't see this run. I, You know, Trevor, I feel like most years, when you look at, like, the uh, the the numbers that each team gets, you know, where, where they get placed, I feel like the, the, you know, whoever does it, you know, NCAA or whoever, does a pretty good job of, you know, the committee does a pretty good job ranking them. I don't feel like that was the case this year. A good example is San Diego State, like, at a five. We saw, you know, other teams that were, like, um, and I can't remember, I remember us talking about this, I can't remember off the top of my head all the teams uh, that we saw, but there was like, more teams that I was like, I don't understand this team is this rating. Do you do you agree with this? Do you think that this was kind of a weird year for the, the committee? Uh, or do you think it was, you know, I'm, I'm crazy and it just is, it's, it was fine? Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy in hindsight to be like, especially with a team like Florida Atlantic for me, because they had like two losses and they ended up being a nine seed and they go to make the final four. And every time I watched them, I was like, this team is a nine seed. Like that seems absurd by the way, just watching them play, like they're talented, you know, they're they're very well around the team. So it seemed kind of wild when I was watching Florida Atlantic that they could be a nine seed because they never felt like that. They always just felt like a really good team to me. So I think there are certain teams that you can argue that for. Um, UConn maybe could be one of those as well. Um, but I don't know. It, it's interesting. I mean, I think I think I said it before the tournament, but I thought that whole region that UConn was in was a very tough region. I mean, you had Kansas as the one, UCL as the two, Gonzaga as the three, and UConn's the four. And even like St. Mary's is a five. So I thought that whole region was pretty tough in general. Yeah, I will say like a team like FAU is is so hard to evaluate. I mean, they won what was it 30, 31 games in the regular season. They were rated in the top ten. Uh, they ranked in the top ten or top ten, top uh, twenty five at a point in time for like a, mm-hmm. at least one or two weeks. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's like almost impossible to figure out where to place that team, um, especially when they haven't played like this, you know, incredible competition. There was just a lot of I think non power fives this year that were really really solid, Trevor. Yeah, there definitely were. I mean, and we saw two of them in the final four. Um, obviously, seventy-two, seventy-one, the buzzer beater, which that game was awesome. I mean, 
I happened to be um, out to eat with my dad. We were eating some good burgers, and we were sitting at the bar, uh, you know, as that the ending of that game happened. And obviously, you know, he comes down the floor, Lamont Butler, or not, he didn't come down, he was the one walking up the ball. But he got the ball, and there was a moment, I don't know if you remember or, or you feel the same way about how this game ended, but when Lamont Butler had the ball on the, the right, he was like in the right corner, and he turned, and the clock was running down, it was like 5, 4, 3, and it was weird. I felt for a moment he didn't have a sense of the time, because he didn't, the way he was dribbling the ball, it was very casual, and it felt like he was just going to like not get the shot off in time, and then all of a sudden he rises up and shoots it. But I felt like that, and then obviously he makes it, and you know everyone in the bar is kind of going crazy, uh, myself included. Um, but that was just an awesome moment. Obviously, I, I know the you know the other two games weren't as good because UConn's just so dominant. But we did get a lot of good moments in this tournament. Um, that was one of them. And then just I mean witnessing this UConn team, how impressive it was. You know, it's it, it's something to see just to see a team play really good basketball that has so much talent. Obviously, they have size. They I mean they have a guy that comes off the bench, Donovan Klingon, who's seven foot two. He's an incredible defender. It's like this team was stacked. This UConn team, just so much talent. I mean, they have Jordan Hawkins, a guard who, I mean, I think after this tournament has a chance to be a lottery pick. They obviously have Dama Sunogo, who's their best player, who I haven't even mentioned yet. So just so many great moments of the tournament, which we can talk about. But with this specific result, this championship game, I mean, UConn, they were dominant all games by double digits, which rarely ever happens. I think the last time to do this was Villanova in 2018, which might be a little bit of a sore subject for you, Brandon, because they did beat Michigan in the championship I game. Um, I do remember. But yeah. Thank you for I the mean, reminder. That is really nice of you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was that game. I mean, I don't know, I guess in terms of the games that we saw in the final four, do you, do you have any other thoughts on the championship game or either of the final four games? Yeah. UConn, I think we got to talk a little bit about their journey. I, I, Trevor, do you think that this was one of the more dominant tournament teams ever? Did they? Did they? They won every game by ten plus, right? Yeah, Maybe yeah, more absolutely. than ten plus. Um, yeah. I mean, they really just destroyed every team, and they played back to back games against two of the best offensive teams in the country, and that is Gonzaga and Miami. Gonzaga was the number one offensive team in the country, and Miami was number five. Uh, offensive team in the country, and they held them under 60 points in both those games. I don't know what the def- defensive uh, like strategy and prowess that UConn has, but clearly it was insanely good. And not only were they defending well, it's not like they put up like 58 points and allowed 56. They put up over 83 times uh, in this tournament. Um, and, you know, that this is just, a, I think, one of the more impressive runs we have ever seen. I don't know if there has been a more impressive run. I would love to go into like the like what happened in the middle of their season because there was a point in time in the middle of their season where they lost I think six they were two let's see they were two and six over uh, an eight game stretch mm. here uh, yeah two and six um, I don't know what happened and then from there they barely lost they lost to Creighton once and Marquette once um, so they just took over it seemed like after winning their first like twenty games or whatever it was eighteen games something like that. Um, so yeah, what a dominant tournament run! Probably one of the more dominant ones we've we've ever seen, at least in in our time here on this earth, Trevor. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I mentioned that Villanova team. That's the last time I think it happened where it felt that dominant. I mean, Bay. I think Baylor had 
Baylor didn't do it every game, though. But Baylor in 2021, I mean, they, they had the dominant win over Gonzaga in the title game. They looked really good all season, basically. So Baylor kind of felt like that. But I think I don't think they were quite like what UConn did in the tournament itself. Obviously, UConn didn't have as good of a season. I'm, I don't think anyone's going to say that UConn's like one of the best teams or ever. I think that, that'd be a little bit ridiculous and a little bit recency biased to kind of say that kind of thing. But I think in, just in terms of their tournament performance itself, yeah, it's it's really good. It's really dominant. And I think it compares to Villanova's tournament run specifically. Villano- 2018 Villanova's a better team than this UConn team, obviously. I think 2018 Villanova's one of the better college basketball teams I've seen, you know, in my life, basically. But it was a very dominant performance, obviously. The only other thing I'll add in terms of what you were talking about with their defense and being so suffocating against like some of the best offensive teams like Gonzaga and Miami, just watching, uh, you know, there were a couple possessions in particular, I think early in this San Diego State championship game, where I would watch San Diego State try to like pass it around and like try to get in the post. And you just see like all these long arms, like wh- whoever it was, I mean, you have... First of all, you have Sonogo, who's like 6'10". He's usually going to be the biggest guy on the floor. And then, they again, they have Klingon, who comes off the bench. He's 7'2". And then you have all these other guys like Jordan Hawkins and Tristan Newton and Andre Jackson. And it's like you're trying to pass the ball. And I think at at any moment, you're worried it's going to be stolen. You're worried it's going to get taken from you. And we saw a couple moments where that happened and they were trying to force passes and all of a sudden it's stolen and UConn has a break and they're running toward the basket. And then you see the big guys for San Diego State. And I think their tallest players like 6'7", 6'8". Like they're tall. UConn has at least two taller players than San Diego State. And you could see them trying to like get to the basket. And then Donovan Klingon's just like standing there in the paint. And they just like don't know what to do. They're just like, we can't, we can't score basically. So it was kind of crazy just to watch that. I mean, clearly UConn had the size advantage in this game. Uh, They out-rebounded San Diego State. And they had the size advantage in pretty much every game they played uh, in the tournament. So it was, you know, just a really impressive showing from them throughout. Yeah, uh, the other thing I want to mention about UConn is if you look at the teams that they played, they played, um, what is it here, four top 20 teams uh, according to their ranks um, in this tournament, and they played five of their six teams were ranked inside the top 30. So I think this was an insanely impressive run. They played a lot of really great teams that I think that they were not favored against. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they just had a good run, Trevor. They had a really, really good run. And it was a, a capped off just an excellent tournament and an excellent college basketball season. Um, I am more than excited for the possibility of next season. Another thing that's crazy about UConn, Trevor, they only have three seniors. Only three guys are seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how many of those seniors can stay. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. I have no clue. Uh, maybe they got to go. Uh, but only three seniors. I mean, that seems like they have the potential ability to repeat. Um, and it's it's decently there. If they only have three seniors, that's not a lot of guys uh, that are leaving. Uh, Trevor, any final college basketball thoughts here uh, to wrap up this kind of little shorter pod today? Yeah, I think that's a good. So that's a good transition to I guess another thing I want to talk about, which is kind of like uh, draft prospects. But I'll specifically talk about like UConn because they're really the only team in the Final Four. I mean Miami, had, like Jordan Miller, maybe he's a second round pick and stuff like that. But I think the thing with UConn, because you're right, they they might be like the preseason number one. And obviously, 
I think in today's college basketball, you know, you have all these, like, I, I probably saw, like, five different way too early top 25s this morning when I was looking from, like, Jeff Borzello or Matt Norlander or whoever it was, like, all these guys that, that make the top 25s for college basketball. And a couple of them had UConn as the, as the early number one. But I think with the transfer portal and, obviously, NBA draft decisions and stuff like that, we really have no idea what some of these rosters are going to look like by the time we get to the summer. So I think it's it's definitely way too early, that's for sure. Um, but with UConn, they have a couple guys that, you know, you have Jordan Hawkins, who, you know, some of the, you know, draft mock drafts, draft guides that I've looked at, um, Sam Vecini and Kevin O'Connor, both have Jordan Hawkins, I think, in the top 25. Actually, Sam Vecini, I think, has Jordan Hawkins as high as number 12, in his latest mock draft from about a week ago. And Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer in his last draft guide has Jordan Hawkins ranked as the number 23 overall player. So he's a sophomore. My guess would be he will go to the NBA draft. We don't know for sure. Maybe he'll decide to come back. But I would guess that what he showed in this tournament, um, just his ability to like be a, a really good movement shooter. Um, he moves really well off the ball. Um, just super impressive. I was impressed every time I watched UConn. And then even Donovan Klingon, who's a freshman, who I don't know if people would have said he would have came out before the tournament, but I think there's at least a case now. I mean, what he showed throughout the tournament, he's seven foot two. He's a really solid defender. Um, obviously, just having that length is always going to be good presence. Again, it's not like he's had a ton of reps. Again, he comes off the bench, so it's like his stats aren't super great. It's not like he's shown a ton, but you can argue if you're an NBA GM, maybe you talk yourself into Donovan Klingon's potential, and who knows, maybe he could be a first-round pick. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what you know what feedback these guys get from like uh, when they go through maybe the combine or go through stuff like that, and see if they decide to come back. Because if they do, yeah, I think UConn probably will be the number one uh, team in the preseason. But if not, it might, it might be a little different. So. That's going to be really interesting to see as far as um, the upcoming months. I guess the only other thing I wanted to talk about, well, I, I wanted to ask you a question, Brandon. We talked about this mm-hmm. briefly before the podcast. Um, is UConn, are they a blue blood? Because we, we, we talked about blue bloods in the past. So UConn, they have five national championships. Um, that's tied for, I believe, the fourth most with Duke and Indiana. I mean, I mean, what do you think? I mean, are, is UConn a blue blood? I don't know. I I think it's tough because UConn had, you're right, they have five championships, and that is a very strong argument, without a doubt. But over the last 10 years, they really have not been a great team. I understand that's not the complete argument. Um, But if you look at the last 10 years, they've missed the tournament, I think, seven times. Um, You you know, or maybe it's six times. Six times, I think. Um, Which is, that's missing it a lot. The, The lack of recent success hinders me from saying that they are a blue blood. Um, they also don't have a lot of conference tournament wins. In fact, they have very few conference tournament wins. Um, they do have the five championships. I cannot deny that. And they have three within the last 15 years. Um, and they, they have four within the last 20 years, which is insane to think about. Um, so that kind of could be a decent counter for my recent success thing is that within our lifetimes, Trevor, they've won all five of our championships. 25 years, five championships. Um, that's... I guess it's 24 years, technically. That's an insane rate uh, you're winning championships mm-hmm. at. So I can't deny that. You know, I think 
When you said it, I was like, is it really that clear? Because I thought you were going to say they're not a blue blood. But now the more I look at it, Trevor, I don't know. I, I see the argument. I see it. I don't hate the argument. Um, I'm interested to see what Trevor, or what Trevor, what Ben thinks of this. What Ben would decide. Because mm-hmm. um, he's kind of the deciding vote. Because I would still not give them blue blood status. However, if we haven't done it yet, I would relegate Indiana. They don't deserve blue blood status. <laughs> which I know is not the subject today. But... They should be relegated from blue relegated, blood status. Yeah, yeah we, we did, I think last year around this time, we, we did do a Blue Blood. Uh, we kind of did do a segment. I forget what we said, to be honest. I'd have to we go might back have to go back to, to that episode. pod. Yeah, yeah we, we got to go back and listen. We definitely did a big Blue Blood segment, so I'd have to go back and listen to that. But it's, you know, it's really interesting. Obviously, the top three, UCLA with 11, Kentucky with 8, North Carolina at 6, and then you have UConn, Indiana, Duke, all with 5. So... I think UConn's a blue blood, um, but, you know, it, it, it's an interesting conversation. It's always fun to talk about the blue bloods, obviously. But um, what else? I guess the only other thing I wanted to see, well, just in general, I guess from this tournament, right, we had another another crazy tournament filled with a lot of chaos, a lot of upsets. We had a 16 beating a 1 for only the second time. We had Princeton make a sweet 16. It seems like... You know, some of these teams, like a 15 seed making a Sweet 16 just isn't even that surprising anymore. Um, and the seed, I mean, the teams we got in the Final Four, we got a 9 seed in the Final Four, we got two 5 seeds, and we got a 4 seed. I mean, this year in college basketball has been wild. It's been, obviously, a lot of upsets. Brandon, what, what were some of your favorite moments, uh, I guess, from the NCAA tournament? Oh, favorite moments really putting me on the spot here. Let me let me go look at the uh, the bracket here. Um, all right. I mean, there's a couple great ones. I think Princeton beating Arizona is definitely awesome. Obviously, Fairleigh Dickinson beating Purdue in the first round, second time that's ever happened. I think the Arkansas beating Kansas upset was an insanely fun game to watch. Oh yeah. Um, that one was incredibly enjoyable. Uh, personally, for me, watching Michigan State lose was amazing. Uh, anytime they lose, it's a good day for everyone involved. Um, I, I think San Diego State proving the Mountain West is is here to play for a yeah, while. Let's go. Uh, you know, this is the Fast first time X. that they won games, made it all the way to the championship. Um, I think all of these things really contributed to just an amazing tournament. We also saw a lot of really great players excel. Um, if you look at, I'm forgetting his name, the play, the guard on Kansas State, Marquise Noel. Um, Marquise Noel, who is probably the player of the tournament, don't you think? Like, I mean, he's insane. For me, he is. I feel like at this point, I'm biased with Marquise Noel just because I love him so much. Um, obviously, like a guy like Adamba Sanogo, who had like six great games and his team won the title, he probably has a better argument. And he did win most outstanding player of the tournament. But from my own bias, Marquise Noel, he, he was the most fun player of the tournament. He was the player I enjoyed yeah. watching the most. I can tell you a couple things I didn't like, Trevor. I didn't like when Virginia lost. I didn't like when Utah State lost. Um, <laughs> let's see. I, di- I didn't like when Arkansas lost. I didn't like when VCU lost. Pretty much all, all of our teams. All our teams. Yeah, all of our teams that we drafted. When they lost, I didn't have as much fun. That Virginia game, I, I don't know if I've ever been more upset at a college basketball game. I'm not like blaming anyone because I know they're just kids and it's, you know, it's basketball. It's tough. But I really... I don't know why. There's something in me. I was like, Virginia's going to win this game, and they just stunk. They were terrible. Yeah, that was, that was one of the better games of the tournament for me. I thought, I mean, the number, I mean, that Kansas State, what was it, Kansas State, Michigan State, 
that game was the best game of the tournament, in my opinion. That game was number one. I think San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, probably number... I mean, you had a buzzer beater. I think that might be number two. And then you have Arkansas, Kansas, certainly in discussion. Furman, Virginia is up there. It might be top five. From that, uh, you know, big mistake. Obviously, the big three with, like, three seconds left. That was one of the better games of the tournament for me. I mean, I always... And I've always said this, like... And especially this year, the way the opening weekend went. But the opening weekend of March Madness, of the NCAA tournament, for me, that is the best like sports stretch of the entire year for me, is the opening weekend. That's my favorite, personally. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I love this tournament. It's so fun. Um, it's just such an enjoyable experience. <laughs> um, it's unfortunate that it is coming to an end. Uh, Trevor, I think we got to talk about the tournament challenge. What do you think? I think we need to mention it. Ah, uh, um, yeah, I guess. Because we, we did have a small baller tournament challenge. Um, and here's the thing, guys. As you know, we, we all know I don't know how to win uh, things like this. I, in fact, am historically terrible. Trevor, Ben, and I have probably done, I mean, what, what have we done? 20-plus drafts of various different things, whether it's sports or reality TV, over our many years of knowing each other. Uh, probably more than 20. Um, and I historically, I think I finished last in almost every single one of them. Uh, I, I'm truly terrible. This year, I went into the college basketball men's tournament challenge. We had a small baller challenge. Big shout out to everybody that joined this challenge. Trevor, why don't you tell, uh, you know, all the the lads and laddies here listening who won? I want to know who won. I have to break the news. I have to say. It. Yes, of course, naturally. Well, yeah. there, well, there's a person that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it wasn't me. I'll tell you that I did not win. It was, I was not you. I was not me. I tied for fourth place, um, and it wasn't Ben. I won't. I won't even say where Ben placed. Uh, I, I don't want to rub <laughs> any salt in the wound. So it wasn't me. It wasn't Ben. Um, and so you might be able to figure out who won if you're listening. <laughs> I look. We had we had we had 14 wonderful people in this, and I took home the W. Uh, Trevor, I don't know if you're looking at it. Do you know who came in last? <laughs> yes, I do. Our, our <laughs> the, and last place is the bracket we created on the podcast. <laughs> on the podcast together, that that it, bracket finished last. It it was not a good bracket. Apparently, uh, it's finished in the twenty seventh percentile. Um, so I would say congrats, you know, to the winner. But I'm the winner, so I'm not gonna congratulate myself because that'd be weird. But I did finish in first place. Um, I won by ten points. Um, so big thank you to everyone that joined in. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, hopefully you guys had some fun. Um, but yeah, and Trevor, any other things you want to talk about before we wrap up the pod for today? No, that's it. I mean, that's it for the college basketball season. Next up is NBA. We next podcast. We got a big NBA podcast coming up. There's a lot of things happening right now. We just had the new CBA come out. Obviously playoffs are coming up. Uh, you know, NBA awards. There's a lot of, I mean, the NBA MVP still very close, very rampant debate going on with that. So a lot of interesting things uh, to talk about. And one of your favorite events, the NFL draft is, you know, closely approaching. Really around the corner, really around the corner. I'm so excited. Uh, We will have a nice podcast about that. I'm doing my research as we speak. I got some, a lot of stuff going on this week. Uh, But, you know, after this week, it is going to be research time for the draft. I cannot wait. It is the best night of the year, that first round, and I can't wait, Trevor. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, but I think we'll wrap it up there for today. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Um, of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed. Uh, go check out our website, thesmallballers.com. Link is in the description, as well as our Twitter, at thesmallballers. So, you know, go follow us on there. Keep up to date when all of our podcasts go live. Uh, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.